This is the Alternative Health Tools Podcast, Episode 28, Ishtanga Yoga, Breath and Mind, subtitled The Practice is the Teacher, with Tanya Rudick. So in the way that Ashtanga is traditionally taught, it is a self-practice. So you don't have a teacher telling you when to inhale and when to exhale. It's really um, guided by your own breath. And, you know, you do, we do um, generally five breaths in each posture. And so it's really, you know, and everyone's breath is different. So that's kind of also another one of the reasons to do a self-guided practice. Welcome back. This is Lisa Thorpe with Alternative Health Tools. And today I'm very excited that we have Tanya Rudick, an Ashtanga yoga teacher and um, should we say Ashtanga yoga expert, Tanya? (laughs) I wouldn't say expert. No. Practitioner is good enough. (laughs) Practitioner. Great. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for calling in this morning and taking the time to be with us on the show. I wanted to ask you earlier, you've probably already done your practice and are fully into your day by now. How do you, how do you start your day? Yeah, um, my days start pretty early. Um, usually I'm up by 4, 3.30 or 4 usually and have my whole little routine of um, you know, drinking lemon water and coffee and doing my writing and practice and meditation and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm like already well through the day by now. (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Ashtanga yoga? I know, uh, you know, I've been practicing various types of um, Hatha yoga for many years, and I really don't know. What's the difference? Um, Well, technically all yoga falls under the category of Hatha yoga. Um, But Ashtanga yoga is a method that was um, created by and passed down by Patabi Joyce and his teacher, Krishnamacharya. And it's a method where we focus on um, three different things throughout the practice, um, the posture or the pose that we make, the shape that we make with our bodies, and the breathing, which is the most important part, and then also the drishti or looking place, so where we focus our eyes. And so we use those three points of focus to help us try to still our crazy minds the monkey minds. This is that's really kind of yes, exactly, and that's kind of what differentiates Ashtanga yoga from a lot of other styles. Or that that is the core of Ashtanga yoga. So it's not just about getting fit. It's or I should say, it's not just about getting your body fit and healthy. It's also about uh, getting and keeping your mind fit and healthy. Totally, that's the main point the of main yoga. Point. Really, is to you know help us control our minds. And how did you how did you get into this? Um, you know, it's been a winding road, but I I guess I started taking just um, different classes when I was in university, and just here and there, um, you know. And I tried all different styles of yoga, and I there for a while I was really into practicing Bikram or Jiva Mukti, um, and then I did a teacher training program in Bali. We focused on different styles of yoga throughout the the course. And so we, that was the first time that I was introduced to Ashtanga yoga. And immediately I I had this connection to the practice where, you know, it was like 
this light went off or some familiarity. And so I thought, ah, this is, I just really connected with it. And it's been ever since that's kind of been my, my path now. And you've been all over the world learning and, and teaching Ashtanga. Yes. It was in like in 2007, I think it was. I decided to kind of leave everything behind and bought a one-way ticket to this little island in the South Pacific and just kind of went off exploring the world. And it was really during that time um, where I ended up uh, deepening my practice, my spiritual practices. And that was when I really was able to go a lot deeper with um, Ashtanga yoga and with meditation and and like different... Um, philosophies, I suppose, and spiritual practices. So it was really a good time of exploration. And I ended up staying in Asia for seven years and just returned back to the U.S. last year. And what brought you back? Uh, my boyfriend. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> he, calling. Um, he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, he ended up getting stationed on a project out here. So I decided to join him and come Beautiful. back. Beautiful. Welcome back. And you bring with you, Thanks. you bring your welcome, you bring with you uh, many miles and, and many uh, experiences, I'm sure, to your practice and to your teachings. Now, you don't, you don't teach classes, but you work with individuals one-on-one. Do you- right. At the moment, I, um, I was teaching classes in Seoul and then in Dubai. And then I, last year I taught, um, you know, across the U.S. and a few different places. And, but here in, I'm, in LA at the moment and uh, I'm just teaching privately right now. So yeah, working one-on-one. What do you feel that most of your, your clients um, come in search for and what do you feel like the, the most benefit that they gain from this practice? I think, I mean, initially most people seem to come for uh, the physical benefits or, you know, maybe they've, heard about all the good things about yoga and, you know, they're curious to try it. And it's always amazing because everyone's so different, you know, but eventually um, they may come for that, but it turns into something so much more. You know, it's not like just, um, you know, going and doing a Zumba class or a Pilates class and all that stuff, which are very physically based and great for that aspect. But I think a lot of people enter yoga thinking it's going to be the same and it's not really. So it's always neat kind of when that transition happens and to witness that. And typically when, when you begin teaching somebody this type of yoga, is it, is it, I know you have, uh, like you said, the, the, the drishti or the focal point for the eyes, the, the posture itself, and then the breath. Is it a series that you, that you teach every beginner or do you kind of uh, create something specific to each person? How does it work? So Ashtanga Yoga is based on a a set series, um, a set sequence of movements, and actually there are six different series in the Ashtanga method. So everyone starts out the same, learning the primary series, and it's taught slowly over a period of time, you know, because we have to um, build up the strength and flexibility and and endurance to be able to do the practice. So, you know, it generally takes, takes a while to learn the primary series, but we start off slowly starting off with some sun salutations, the sun salutation A and B, and then a few of the closing postures and breathing at the end. And, um, you know, that's usually everyone's first practice to kind of get familiar with some of the 
concepts, how to move and breathe together at the same time, and also just kind of building that strength and the heat in the body and and so you're able to do more. And, we, you know, we don't want people to start off like doing a full practice and then they're dead and they can't move the next day. That's not kind of the point. We want to build it slowly because we, we do want it to be a daily practice. We have to build up to that point. I'm interested to ask about the breath during the postures. I, you know, sometimes I'll find when I've practiced yoga that my breath is not where the teacher is saying inhale and I'm exhaling. (laughs) So Uh I'm curious, you know, how important is it if your inhale is when the teacher says inhale? uh, And uh, how do you, how do you get there where, where you start to get the breath in sync with the posture? Right. Um, so in the way that Ashtanga is, is traditionally taught, it is a self-practice. So you don't have a teacher telling you when to inhale and when to exhale. It's really um, guided by your own breath. And, you know, you do, we do um, generally five breaths in each posture. And so it's really, you know, and everyone's breath is different. So that's kind of also another one of the reasons to do a self-guided practice. So it really becomes your own. So you're it's not, not, to it's not when you're breathing. Breath or things like that. Yeah, so it's not when you're breathing. Right. It's just important that you are breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that it's a, you know, that it's a, a steady breath. Do you find that that's, um, that that's the easy part for people, or is it, um, can it be challenging? What do you think, what do you think is the, the hardest part about learning Ashtanga? Um, the breathing's really hard, and it takes people a while to get it. Um, you know, and it's interesting because you can see immediately, um, you know, people that suffer from anxiety, I can tell in an instant just by listening to their breath, you know, or like um, you can, you just can tell a lot about a person through their breathing. And it's really hard. It's hard to learn how to breathe. It's hard to learn how to breathe and move at the same time and kind of worry about all these things. So that part's really hard. And um, I think one of the other parts of Ashtanga Yoga that can be challenging is just the commitment because it, it's not really, you know, I do have some students that just practice, you know, a couple times a week and they do gain benefit, but ideally it's meant to be a, a daily practice and that commitment's hard, you know, showing up when you don't want to or showing up when, you know, you're feeling pain or it's not fun or exciting anymore, but that's really where like the growth happens. And when you say it's really meant to be a daily practice, is that an hour? Can it be done in 15 minutes? How does it work best? Right. Getting on your mat every day. And, you know, ideally, yes, we want to be able to do a full practice every day. But that's not always possible, especially when you're looking at a lifelong practice. You know, so some days, maybe all you can do are a few sun salutations and sit and breathe. Maybe that's it. And that's okay. You know, I think the point is just to get in the habit of taking that time every day to, like, connect with yourself and, um, you know, and just kind of evaluate, see where you're at. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be this, you know, big two-hour practice every day. You know, that, so not I mean, every- that would be great, but it's not realistic. <laughs> not everybody has to get up at three thirty four in the morning. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> but you do. You do. I mean, ideally, hopefully, the practice should support your life. You right. know. But you do that, and and you know, a, a lot of us out there would probably go, "Oh God, I could never do that." But yet, at some point, 
that became your practice. So how, how, how does one get to a point that they are getting up at 3.34 in the morning and loving their yoga so much that it's easy for that commitment to happen? Or do you still struggle with it sometimes? Yeah, not like I used to. I mean, it was definitely a process. For sure. You know, I didn't start off like, you know, yeah, 3.30 every morning, like on my mat. So, you know, I, I didn't start off that way at all. <laughs> so it's been kind of an evolution in the process. And like, I think after committing is the first step. And once you really commit to the, the practice and just know that you're going to practice no matter what, um, that eliminates a lot of, you know, anxiety or, or thought or energy going into like thinking, oh, should I practice? Should I blah, blah, blah. You know, none of that's removed. Um, and then I think you just kind of start to figure out what works for you and like what works for your body. And for me personally, I mean, I go to bed really early and I wake up really early naturally. So it's kind of like my natural rhythm anyways, in some sense. And, you know, it's, I don't know, everyone's going to be different though. I think you just have to kind of figure out what works for you. Makes perfect sense. And so you're now seeing clients in the LA area. Who, what kind of people would be your ideal customers? Like who are your clients? Who 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 do you work with most of the time? Um, you know, I've got quite a wide range. It's pretty neat. Um, you know, I, I do teach some celebrities, and um, and then I also teach you know people that are struggling with you know cancer and like or people that are just trying to you know gain some extra mobility that are you know, their main priority is CrossFit, you know, so a wide range of clients, which is really fun, you know, to get to experience all different types of people. I just want to take a moment to let our listeners know that if they want to call in or email in, uh, we do have a call in line and we also have um, an email, call, in, call us rather at 760-561-5811. And that's both during the show or even after the show, they can leave messages and uh, we'll either respond um, after the show or during the next show. Uh, So that number again is 760-561-5811. And you can always go uh, for additional information about the show and, and to learn more about our guests when you go to Alternative Health Tools dot com and we always have show notes so there'll be links back to your website and by the way tanya i think your website is beautiful it's so simple and oh thank you uh, yes and um and i was looking at some of the photographs there's a photograph of you in a posture with your legs in this perfect perfect alignment um and in a posture that looks very challenging but obviously it's easy for you do you have you always been flexible or is it something that you really had to to work at it's funny because a lot of people will comment on that like oh you know it looks so easy it's like you know i've worked and worked and worked every day <laughs> it has not been easy <laughs> no it doesn't you know, it so. that it doesn't look easy <laughs> So and you, I'm sure people would love to know you, and I'm sure you can't mention names, but you said that you work with celebrities. Do you feel like there's any difference working with celebrities uh, as opposed to your other clients? I mean, they're just people. Yeah. <laughs> so in that regard, no. I think the main difference really is just um, the scheduling is a bit more chaotic, you know, right. <laughs> with, because of their schedules and it's a lot more... Um, you know, inconsistent with their, their travel schedules and everything else. But other than that, I mean, they're just people like everyone else. Seeking, <laughs> seeking the same things, physical, mental, well-being. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, once again, largely initially starting with the physical. You know, everybody wants to look good, especially in, you know, the whole L.A. celebrity scene. Um, but then getting so much more out of it and really like recognizing, oh, actually that's just kind of a side benefit. It's really about like, you know, the mental and, you know, just in the stability that you find and the peace and everything else that comes along with it. So when we talk about the, the mental part that gets, I think a little bit more into the meditation, how much of a practice is meditation versus, uh, actual postures? Hmm. Well, eventually, I think, especially with Ashtanga, because it is a set series of postures, um, it can become like a moving meditation. Um, but I do think that they're kind of also, at least for me, I have two separate practices. I have my seated meditation practice, and then I have my moving meditation with the, the asana practice. You know, but I think the goals are in each practice are kind of the same. Throughout your travels, do you feel like... Um... I guess I want to know, like, what what has been the most challenging thing about about this journey? Most challenging thing about the journey, um, you know, I think I guess with all the the travels and the movement and stuff, I think finding that um, groundedness can be challenging, you know, and just kind of like I've gotten pretty good now at like resting in the unknown <laughs> because I feel like I've had so many experiences with that. Um, I think that's maybe been some of the hardest uh, things to learn. It's also really good, you know, some of the best things, best lessons that I could learn as well. And I think that's always the case, you know, with your struggles, your greatest struggles often come like the gems of wisdom and, you know, and growth. What's one of the gems or the wisdom? Well, I think you just shared it, the, the being able to be in the moment with what is and, yeah, just like surrendering, non-attachment, letting go, like just being in the unknown and being okay with it. You know, and I think that that was definitely something that did not come naturally to me. And I had, you know, I've had to practice that and force myself to practice it by putting myself in these situations of, you know, traveling all the time and moving all the time and kind of those things. Do you feel like th- that when before you got into yoga that you would have seen yourself doing this? before uh, you started on this path? Um, I think so. You know, even though, like, I think for some reason I've always kind of had, like, um, a little bit of inner knowing without really knowing. (laughs) You know, even when my life was totally different, I think there was kind of this sense of of knowing, you know. Um, And once again, I, you know, I didn't know at all how it would unfold, um, but I think if you just kind of, you know, keep doing what, what is right at the moment, eventually, you know, it kind of things kind of align and come together for you. Great advice. I always ask our, our guests, if you were to give one health tip to our listeners, what would be the number one thing that you would, that you would bestow upon our listeners? I think really just to take some time out for yourself every day and, Breathe. Breathe. I think breath is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that you can even um, at the very start by listening to someone's breath, you can tell if they have anxiety. That's that's a pretty powerful statement. What what is it about the breath of some of people that sounds like they have or that they they must have anxiety? Oh, they can't inhale. We breathe in a certain way in yoga, and um, you know, ideally, we want to have 
equal breathing on the inhale and exhale. So it's nice and steady. And, you know, yes, in the inhale, and it's like, you know, there's like almost this panic. You can feel like the, the fear and they kind of get stuck. You know, exhale is usually fine, but it's that inhale. And so you can tell it's really interesting, um, you know, how much like anxiety and fear and things like that that we hold on to. And that, you know, just learning how to breathe can change everything. Really? It's, it's amazing to think that one simple thing and just talking about it makes me feel conscious of the way that I'm breathing and makes me feel like I'm breathing more deeply because I'm thinking about my breath. And, and I think, mm-hmm. um, I think you're right. It's probably limitless what conscious breath can achieve for people. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really the, the breath is our, is the direct link to our minds. You know, they always say like, if you want to calm down, take a deep breath, because it helps relax our minds and our nervous systems. You know, so I think learning how to breathe properly. And then, you know, that's something that you learn on the mat. You practice putting yourself in these, you know, awkward, stressful shapes and learning how to breathe through that and maintain this even and steady breath. You know, then you can transfer that over into your daily life as well. So whereas situations before that maybe would stress you out, or cause you anxiety or things that you, you know, fear, worry, all of these things, you can like access that like, oh yeah, wait, let me just breathe. Yeah. You know, and, and that can help calm you down immediately. So that's the breath. And then you also mentioned uh, the drishti or the, the focal point of the eye. And I've, I've heard, you know, many times they talk about looking up and toward the center uh, of the forehead. Is that the, always the drishti is that always the focal point for the eyes or does it does it vary does it matter it varies with the posture so you know in ashtanga yoga it is a method so each posture has a corresponding looking point they've already like figured it out for us so we just have to do it <laughs> and uh yeah so there are actually nine different drishtis that we use and um yeah each one has a different each posture has a different uh, drishti. The most common one uh, that we use is looking towards the nose tip, um, nasagra drishti. But yeah, there are nine of them. And, and that's this just is... to help, you know, once again, find and concentrate. Right. And and then, so it was the, the breath, the focal point of the eyes, and then the posture. So you've got your mind, uh-huh. you kind of all to bring the mind and the body into harmony. I'm curious if you feel like um, what about sound? The sound or h- how we're listening ever come into a, a part of yoga, or do you do you ever talk about that? So in in Ashtanga yoga, um, the sound would be the breath. The breath, you know, which the mm-hmm. way that we breathe, it, it um, it's kind of it sounds like the ocean. So it's kind of you can focus on that sound as well, I suppose. Again, bringing... But other than bringing, that, we don't use, like, music or anything like that. It's really just focusing inward, um, you know, the sound of the breath. That would be the only the only place, really, that sound comes into play in the practice. To calm that monkey mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I know what monkey mind is. I In fact, I was just experiencing it last night. I, I was feeling uncomfortable and... Um, you know, could just tell that my, my thoughts were going in a direction that weren't serving me. And um, mm-hmm. fortunately, a, a friend called and I, I kind of just started talking about the things that were bothering me. And that allowed me to see it and to see how my thoughts had run amok. 
And do you talk about that I, much I, with, with your clients about, you know, I mean, I don't know if everybody's aware how, how uh, the thoughts that are happening to us uh, are determining how we feel. I know. It's amazing. The thoughts, like, dominate us. <laughs> right. And, you know, we, like, our whole experience really is in our minds. Um, you know, it can make a big difference. Actually, um, sometimes I will talk about it, but mostly in the perspective of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and other yogic texts. But ultimately, like, the practice is the teacher. You know, so, like, through the practice, you can you automatically start to recognize your thoughts and like your crazy thoughts and your limiting beliefs and all these doubts or all these you know all these different things that come up just by you know doing this practice you it does make you observe your mind as well and so i think just that and once you're aware of the, of the thoughts and you can start to catch them that's when you can start to change and direct them in a way that serves you better wouldn't it be nice if we could all do that all the time <laughs> I know that's the goal. <laughs> do you feel? Do you? Exactly. Do you feel like uh, you have less of a monkey mind now than when you started this practice? Um, I wouldn't. I don't know that I would necessarily necessarily say that, but I think um, I'm more aware of it, and I can right. catch it easier. Like where I can like notice, like oh, there I go again. Yeah. You know, off thinking about all this stuff. Wait, come back. Like, let's bring it back. Tame that monkey, bring it right, back, you know. Right. So I think that there's a lot more awareness right. around it. And the awareness brings you a greater sense of peace, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Well, I you have an amazing practice. I mean, just the couple of um, images that you have up are very, very impressive. And uh, obviously, you've got some amazing people seeking you out. What's next? What's in the future? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and I really try not to go to that place, really. <laughs> because, it, you know, planning for me never has never seems to work out. So it's like, I'm, I might as well just be here and just let it unfold because I really have no idea. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that because I have that experience as well that I, I make these plans and especially in business or even, you know, with my own family and make these plans thinking that things are going to go the way I planned <laughs> and they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> they just no. don't. Yeah. So never. <laughs> never. Right. Yeah. Never. So that's, I think that's great advice as well. Just forget planning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It'll all happen anyways. (laughs) It will all happen anyways. Well, it's such a, such a pleasure speaking with you, Tanya. I really, really um, admire your dedication and your practice. And I know uh, that many, many people could benefit from uh, learning more about yoga and about breath alone. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to add or share uh, before we wrap it up today? Um, No, I don't think so. Just practice. Practice. (laughs) Practice. Yeah. Wonderful. Practice and all is coming. (laughs) Awesome. Tanya, thank you so much for calling in and being on the show with us and um, have have a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah. Thank you. You too. This is Lisa Thorpe with Alternative Health Tools. Thank you for listening.